Welcome, dear one. These are Catalyst Conversations, and I'm Anya, a facilitator and leadership mentor, and the founder and guide of the Catalyst Leadership Immersion and the Holding Space Facilitation Training. Here, I sit down to talk one-on-one with Catalyst graduates. They are some of the most wise, compassionate, complex, creative people I know, and I'm honored to share them and their work with all of you. Listen in as we dive into honest dialogue about what it means to use our businesses as vehicles for our values, as we show up imperfectly and courageously in our work, in this fractured world, making our way together. Miriam Lotion is a certified coach, an expert facilitator, a bridge builder, and a fierce advocate for human connection. Merging her background in the satir therapy model, catalyst leadership frameworks, and anti-racist training, she guides groups and individuals in resilient conversations around issues that matter, race, identity, and self-awareness. In this episode of the Catalyst Conversations, Miriam and I talk a lot about questions. The questions our brains get looped in, the questions that help to free us from unworthiness and doubt, the questions that take bravery to ask, the questions that invite us deeper into a life that feels aligned. Miriam shares how, for her, This last year has been one of excavation and of tilling the compost of what emerges, of examining and reclaiming what her truth is, and of inviting the communities that she facilitates into the simple yet profoundly sacred process of inquiry followed by action. She also shares the question that she was compelled to ask the poet David White in a rapt room of hundreds. Listen in. So here we are, my dear one. Hello. Hello. What a treat to get to have this conversation with you. And you. These are all these moments in time that are pivotal, I think. I think they're just so, it's so important and it's so significant to just sit down, to slow down and to really reflect and think things through, particularly when someone's asking you questions or is curious or wanting to discover more about you in a way that feels really easy. So thank you. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's so much the work that I do is having conversations that feel really deep and connected and curious. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed too that maybe quarantine specific, maybe winter specific, but that I'm really craving that in my friendship conversations, my family conversations too, is like that really deep connection. So will you start by sharing with folks just a few things that feel really true for you right now. Sure. That can be whatever comes to mind. What feels really true is I am really sort of re 
introducing myself to myself, relearning about myself, peeling away a lot of layers, adding, deleting, but mostly the white sort of what you were just saying about curiosity and discovery, the sort of exploration of why I think what I think and why I react the way I react and how that that energy sort of that plays into my life and how I move through the world. So I think what feels really true is I am curious and I am discovering. I'm also what feels really true is taking an action, taking action, even if I'm not 100%, you know, which I never am, that I don't have 100% certainty about its outcome, still taking that action, I know brings change for me. I also know that shoulds, the word should is not compassionate for me. I also know that when we talk about, when I talk about loving someone else, or let's say in particular, loving my son and my language and conversation to myself does not emulate that, which I would share or give to him is lacks integrity and, and, and takes away from how I want to be. And I also know that modeling can be really hard. Modeling behavior that you're hoping children will follow or others will follow or just learning from uh, other, you know, learning from you. It's, it's, it's challenging and it requires that you are just committed to repair and acceptance. Thank you. Do you feel like these truths are new for you in this time or are these like ongoing lifelong learnings and process? It's a good question. I believe that one of my true, you know, core beliefs in my work is that we are all whole. We all have the resources. We all have all the resources we need. I believe that a lot of these truths, all of them have existed within me. And when we talk about healing, I think for me, what healing brings is space for those truths to come to the surface. Mm -hmm. So they sort of have always been in there, but because there's been so many other things whether it's pain or trauma or fear or uncertainty on top of it, I haven't had, there hasn't been room for, for the truth to come. Mm. And there's more, some more room now. And there's more room now. I think part of it is allowing myself to, I think for a lot of people, the time that we've had in this last year during the pandemic has really shifted things for people. But there's a way in which I would have this feeling at the beginning of the pandemic that would just come over my body sometimes. And I would think, okay, this is it. I mean, we couldn't go out. We couldn't do anything. And so I started unpacking and I started to recognize that a lot of what was keeping the, the other things sort of matted down and it's not necessarily all negative. It's, it's as, as you and I have spoken about, it's, it's compost, right, in the garden. So all the compost 
has been sort of keeping things down. And now the plants are starting making room for letting them blossom and grow have always been there. And I can give it the attention that it needs to be able to thrive. Mm -hmm. So just like with a garden, right, you can plant it and then just think to, you put all the seeds in, but if you don't have the time to go out there and talk to the lettuce every day, <laughs> or at least once or twice a week, or just connect with it in a way that your energy is connecting with that. It just, I think this past year has been a really uh, a grounding year because I've been asked to, I've been forced really to slow way, way down. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I'm just thinking, I feel like I notice kind of two distinct ways that people are engaging with this time and space of pandemic reality. And of course, there's more than two ways. But I feel like what you're speaking to is really like attending attending to self and to the questions and to that process of excavation and like tilling the compost so that the shoots can emerge. And I feel like a different tendency is to like fully numb out. It's like there's so much space, there's so much time, there's so much to be curious about. And yet people are like, can't, can't do it too much. What's on TV? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like more mm-hmm. of that vibe. And maybe it also ebbs and flows too. Mm-hmm. It's not one or the other, but I just appreciate hearing how you've used this time really to to be in that place of peeling back the layers and listening to yourself. A couple of things. One is that I really did start to explore the idea of letting go of outcome and focus on process because I just started asking myself the questions around, or just this questions around people saying certain things or people reflecting back to me certain things and realizing that I wasn't really seeing or recognizing those things in myself. Mm -hmm. But the life that I strive to design for myself requires that I have belief, those things. So I thought, oh, okay, well, if, I, if this thing is good, if I'm going to make this thing take off, meaning my life be a certain kind of way, I want to be able to work for myself, serve people in a certain kind of way and claim a, a certain, you know, type of giving to people. I want to have that. I want to know that. I want to really embody it. And so I had to start. I just had to start digging. (laughs) Which is so brave. And we don't all do that. And I think what you're speaking to really is, is like the deepest integrity, Mm -hmm. right? That like, just because we do things well with and for other people doesn't necessarily mean that we do them well for ourselves. Right. And I just, I, I really so respect and appreciate 
when people, when you can do that, it's like, I'm asking this of other people. I'm inviting other people into this process. I also need to engage it myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's changed the way that you're moving through the world or working with, with clients, with community? Question I ask myself around that is what if I believed the different things or what if I didn't hold that belief as true or who would I be without that thought? So in some of the letting go and learning that I've been doing and discovering I've been doing, I have had the courage to explore the possibility that there's another way or there's mm. a thought. And I'm not fully engaged in it like, oh yes, I can completely do this. But I I do feel it viscerally in my body that the possibility exists that I could hold a belief a different way, whether it's about myself or something I'm trying to attain or something I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that the only thing that that experience or possibility serves is self and spirit. It's not about earning a certain amount of money or selling something or getting a job or whatnot. I, I have been recognizing so much lately the way in which the universe and God reward me or give back to me or connect with me, right? It's never in the, it's never in the way that I, that I give out, but I think it just helps me to operate at a much higher energy, vibrational energy, and just feel good all around. And then I think to myself, there's real power in that mm-hmm. to ask a question in a different way to think, Oh, the possibility exists that this could happen. This could come true. This could be great. Mm-hmm. This could be fun. I could do this. I mean, that just, just even the energy of saying it, it feels really light and easy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it is a different, just energetically feels different than, I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I didn't do this. I didn't, I don't have this. I don't that. So that shift. And then also going back to what I said earlier, which is action, right? Just, just taking the leap. And I remember David White saying, I was at one of his lectures once and he said, as he recites poems, he said, if you go to the edge of your life, life will rise to me. If you go to the edge, life will rise to meet you. Mm. And there was probably about 500 people in the room. And I was sitting off in the corner and I said, do you promise? (laughs) (laughs) It was, the room was silent because he was in the middle of a poem, but I said, do you promise? (laughs) Did he respond? (laughs) He did. (laughs) What did he say? Did he promise? He said, I'm trying to remember what he said. He said something like, well, I can't promise, but I know that that's what happens and that will happen. And, you know, is that, does that fit? Does that feel like you can hold that? And I said, yes, but I really want the promise. (laughs) I think there's so many experiences that we have in our life. We're going to take a new job or take a trip or, I don't know, save money or do something different. And all of those count as going to the edge, Mm -hmm. right? It's really about what that feels like for you, for yourself. It might be different for someone else, like getting a new, going to interview for a new job might not feel like the edge for somebody, but for someone else, it really might. 
And I, I do think life rises to meet you. I think that you're met there. And then the things that are supposed to be there to help move you forward or to help the, continue the flow will align with you and keep mm. going. It just, it does take courage. I feel like over this last year now of knowing each other and working together, I have seen you and experienced you going to that edge and being met. Over and over. Over and over and over. over. Yeah. I have that. I have a, a quote on my mirror that says, big doses of compassion. And in willingness to start over and over and over and over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And that over again is significant. Yes. And I think in the over again, it's not necessarily like starting from scratch, right? It's like taking all the things that you've learned all of the tools that you have and each time each over and over it's bringing your expanded toolkit right your like treasure box that just has more in it i find that is comforting to me personally <laughs> that i'm not like oh my gosh like brand new again but i'm like okay i i'm better equipped more equipped Mm. What do you think? I think that's true. I think, I think we keep relearning the same lessons, right? Until I, I, I don't know. If, okay, let me rephrase that. I don't know if it's true that we keep relearning the lessons until we get it right. That mm. feels like there's judgment attached to it or conditional. I think that there's a way that we learn, right? And some people get things right off the right off the bat. But some things are, some other lessons are more tender for people. And so it takes a, uh, a trust and establishing a relationship with that belief or that idea to be able to really navigate it, right? And so just like with anything in life, you've got to try it and try it and do it over and over and over and over again. And sometimes people will look at an experience and say, why is this happening to me again? Mm-hmm. And we we've had conversations about this, about these, these beautiful questions, a different way to ask a question. I have a friend who's going through a very painful breakup and it's her second in I don't know, a certain number of years, maybe five years. And she'll send her first two questions were what's wrong with me. Mm. Why is this happening to me again? And one that those questions don't really serve her. Right. But two there's a way that it creates a hesitancy to try again because you think, Oh, I'm, I'm something's, something's not quite working right with me. And this keeps happening to me because something's not quite working right with me as opposed to what are the things that really fed me and nourished me? What are the ways in which I didn't honor myself? Is there a way that I wasn't being loved how I needed, or is there a way that my spirit or soul needed something different or I needed the space or something? And, but it just allows for a willingness to come back and try another time. So for 
for people listening who want to practice this shifting a kind of judgmental thought or question that feels rooted in should or shame and shifting that into a beautiful question, how, what's the process of doing that? I can share my process is really inviting myself to step into stillness, quiet. My, my brain or my parts, my board of directors living in my head are just constantly <laughs> talking. <laughs> so it really requires quiet, right? To ask yourself a question. And I think as I've gotten older, recognizing recognizing signals from my body, making a particular statement. So for instance, in the example of my friend saying, what's for her saying, what's wrong with me? And when I ask her, what does it feel like in your body when you ask yourself that question? She describes a lot of the feelings that one would have with shame, mm-hmm. right? Because you've, she clearly thinks she's broken. But, coming for, but reframing the question and not necessarily, I think we ha- might have to move away from this idea of being perfect and may- maybe say being yes, healed. Yes, please. Yes. Right. <laughs> and being <laughs> move more into the notion of honoring our humanity as a human being. How is this thing making you know, like just in that real sense of as in, in my in my humanity? How is this? How can I ask a different question that serves my humanity? Mm. And also, which can be so hard in a. Uh tender, vulnerable place. Oh, it can be so, so hard. And it's definitely not easy. And I think it might, it's not going to start with a big question that even feels believable Mm. at the beginning. It might start with a a simple, beautiful question. Like, how can I feel better right now? Mm. How, How can I take care of myself? How can I comfort myself? Someone invited me recently or asked me a question of, how, how do I, what's my sort of behavior or routine with putting my son to bed or waking him up in the morning? And it's so loving because the night, in the night when we go to bed, we read, but then we just giggle and we cuddle and we talk about our days. And there's a lot of affectionate words exchanged. And the same thing in the morning, because neither one of us are really morning people, but he'll say, good morning, mommy, or whatnot. And so my, this friend mentor invited me to say some of that to myself when I wake up in the morning, like, good morning, snuggle bug, or good morning, precious. And I think it's kind of, it's just going really going back to basics and how can we really honor our hearts and really, really, what would I? What would I do? And, and I think this, this transfers easily easier for people if you say, well, what if it was your best friend? Or what if it was your child? Or what if it was your sister? What would you say to that person? And we're able to really find the words at that time. But for ourselves, it's a little bit harder to dig, to dig deep. And I think it's, it's not that it doesn't exist. It's just, um, it just takes time to feel comfortable. It's not. Right. We're not necessarily taught how to right? do that. It's not, it's not your first reaction. reaction. So. Yeah. So I think it's asking really simple questions. Like, so my friend is saying, you know, what's wrong with me? A better question might be, oh gosh, how does my heart feel? 
Mm-hmm. Feel sad. What can I do to hold it and make it feel seen or recognized? You know, those sorts of questions. And I think more beautiful questions will come to them. Mm. I the feel idea- like even just in the the asking, like I feel just a sense in my own body listening to it's like <sighs> Ah, just a a sigh. It's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) There's really just such, such care there. Right. Right. And also recognizing that we are taught by society, by our parents, you know, that there's sort of a, a, a mental toughness that we need to have in order to be able to navigate the world. It's equally as important to be able to to have strong skills of compassion too, for one's self-compassion for oneself, so that we can be reminded of our humanity by when you say, when you ask yourself the question instead of what is wrong with me, and you ask yourself this question of, gosh, if I just sit here for a moment and I think to myself, how does my heart feel right now? It's, you're reminded of your humanity. You're modeling that notion and staying connected with it yourself in a way that, as you said, we're not taught how to do, but it's what makes us good people. And I'm just, I'm thinking about all the different aspects of your work, the way that you show up in service in the world through, you know, working with people around issues of identity and race, working with people around feeling good in their bodies and being, around telling stories and reclaiming narratives. And I feel like at the heart of all of that, to be able to ask ourselves these really generous questions helps us go deeper into an exploration of self where there, in all of those realms, there can be such immediate judgment, shame, mm-hmm. have tos, you know, cultural systems and stigmas. So there's just, you know, something as simple and profound as being able to reframe some of those initial questions into loving inquiry Mm. be so transformative and very generative too right if you're if you're asking yourself gosh how can i how can i today honor my body in a different way than i did yesterday and i think beautiful questions are catalysts for as you're saying transformation and change because there's either action or just even the thoughtfulness of bringing in that level of consciousness where you're connecting, honors you and, and says, oh, I'm working through this. I don't know exactly. I'm not quite sure. And it's just so much more rewarding and nurturing to come from that place. Mm-hmm. I think what is wrong with me has probably been my question for since I was in my 20s. It's not my question anymore, but for many, many years. And now it's, I mean, I have a number of different questions, but I'm excited about the possibility of saying, oh, what do, what do I really like? What's really right? Mm. And, and I, I get right isn't the, 
correct word. I think it's more like, what can I love or what can I honor or, and Mm -hmm. that includes the wounded parts and the brokenness. Yeah. Can we talk about the, the wounded parts and the broken parts a little bit? You and I have had many conversations about what it looks like and feels like to show up in leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. While also being fully and wildly imperfect and bringing our broken pieces and still knowing that we're worthy. And I experience you as creating such loving and vital spaces for people to show up with their own brokenness and and be seen in their wholeness. But what I really want to talk about is how you're doing that for yourself. Hmm. I think I'm going back to this idea that uh, of a book that I read many years ago, several years ago, I guess I'd say, where the author talks about, it's, it's, it's a business book, so it's sort of getting your edge above having a, differentiating yourself from other people in your industry or whatnot, so you can get ahead, get a slight edge. And he talks about this theory of small progressive progressive actions repeated consistently over time. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot because I, I understood it theoretically, intellectually right away. Oh, okay. Just do the same thing. But if I look at the areas of my life, I think, oh, I haven't applied it across the board, even though I know that that's the thing that's going to help. But also in watching and learning from other people, recognizing that the smaller the small actions, the nuanced, the nuances, the delicate shift, the delicate reframe, the taking the time to repair, also taking the time to recognize that your, your behavior is being seen by others and witnessed by others. So it's not just you that you're impacting. But I think it's a commitment to small actions really, really, really small, which could be going to the store and buying myself a candle and making sure I have a candle that I can light in my bathroom every week. So I'm not, I'm never without it because I I really love the light so much when I shower. Mm. Singing songs. I think I, for a long time, I always thought it was, it was just big, giant steps. Yeah. And now I see it's the small changes the small actions the catching myself i don't always catch myself when i'm saying if i say something self-deprecating i don't always i don't always reframe it but i do now always catch it oh look at that look how i just said that to myself or look how i just thought that about myself do you find you catch it in the moment or sometimes afterwards oh usually right after uh-huh just as the word lee just as the words lee like <laughs> Rewind. In that tiny little space, there's, there's a couple of different choices. In that space, there's a choice for empowerment, which is, oh, look at, what I just, look at what I just said. Is that really true? Is that really what I feel? What would I be 
who would I be without that thought? Or there's a choice of just staying in the status quo, which is, yep, that's true. That's, yep, just reminding myself of the truth. So that, and then the other book that had a significant impact on me um, with a different theory was this idea of chopping wood and carrying water, right? Just, and I know that to be true in when I, when I'm working per se, if I'm in my past life, when I was doing event planning or any sort of laborious job, right? That required a lot of moving around and whatnot. It was just, we start at five, we'll be done at two in the morning. So pull your boots up, put your head down, dig in and just do the work. And before you knew it, that amount of time had passed and it was successful or it reached and met the expectations of the people that had hired you. And now I think I just, I'm really committed to this process, to this idea of just, just keep doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing the thing, Miriam. Just keep doing the thing. Because oftentimes what stalls me or distracts me is judgment or self judgment. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think those two things just chop the wood, carry the water, not focused on that outcome, but just go keep, just maintain the process. And, and then the second thing, which is, just having this idea of like small, small, small actions. Which I think is, is just like a breath of fresh air, really, because I think so often there's kind of this expectation that it really is a grand gesture or it's like a lot of work and then the work is done. And there's a place that we arrive as leaders, as professionals, like, okay, we're done. We did the work. And now we're, quote unquote, perfect or quote unquote, ready. And I so relate to what you're saying about these small, consistent acts about this kind of ongoing journey that I really think is lifelong. And I don't think that it has to be like toiling or struggle right? It's, it's not necessarily like glamorous, but I think it can really be an act of love and generative and energizing in the doing of those small things as well. But that like for me, giving myself freedom and space to be evolving in my leadership, to be daily embracing my humanity and giving myself permission to show up in that Mm. humanity, whatever it looks like today, right now, whatever it looks like tomorrow, that to me is like, then I can see myself as a leader. Then I can really see Mm. myself and feel myself as a guide because I'm growing and evolving and being in it. It's not just one thing that I've become. Well, one of the things that I want to say that significantly impacted me in working with you and conversations with you is exploring, exploring beliefs or exploring why I do something a certain kind of way. And one of them was around leadership at one of our retreats that I was lucky enough to attend in-person retreats, we did an exercise, he invited us to do an exercise around leadership. And so we just, the idea was that we would just brainstorm these different 
other words that just synonyms that we thought would define what we thought a leader leadership meant. And I remember looking at the wall of stickies that people put up and it was so interesting. I mean, the beliefs were white, male, Ivy League, you know, just all the different things. And at the same time, I was recognizing right away people like you who I admired as leaders, but I wasn't necessarily putting the two together. I was just admiring the qualities that you had and the way that you could hold space for people, also connect the voices in the room. And so I had to reframe what I thought, what I think leadership means, which then proved that I had some of those qualities. And I thought, oh, it's, it just wasn't, con- I wasn't, it wasn't congruent. Mm-hmm. And so now moving towards that congruency has really lifted a lot of my insecurities. And I think it doesn't mean I don't have them anymore. It just means that I may have them and I can still take action or I may have them and maybe that thing is not for me. Mm-hmm. But it's not coming from an, um, an, uh, sort of an overriding belief that a leader looks like this. Mm-hmm. And I th- I'm finding that in many areas of my life, just peeling away the beliefs and realizing, just even asking myself, what, what made me think that that was true? Or what makes me think that that's true? And I'm really inspired by people who are doing things the way that they want to do the thing, mm-hmm. creating the lives that they want to have. And it's not, it's not based on an ideal that has to do with what society says is valuable or important. And I think that's really our purpose. And you've been a great teacher for me in that to just lead me to that, to, uh, to, honor, to honor the gifts that I have to recognize that they, they can be useful to people, that I can be in service to people. And people are going to interpret that however they do. They're going to either say I'm a leader or a good listener, or they're going to say I'm this and that. But just keep coming back to that, the practice of that. Hmm. I want to like dance around and clap my hands, make a lot of noise. <laughs> I'm just so so honored to be journeying alongside you in this life and in this work and witnessing all of the ways that you are offering your gifts to the world. Will you tell people listening how they can find you and what ways they might be able to engage with some of your offerings? Yes. People can find me at coachmiriam.com. It's my website. And I am right now just getting more clarity as to how I can best be in service to people. What I'm offering now are one-on-one client calls with clients or partnerships with clients, collaborations in which we are take a particular facet of, or something in particular that they're wanting some support or cheerleading or working through or reframing around and strategizing around how to do that with small progressive actions. 
And I'm also offering groups for women, circle groups. And what that has come to, what that has looked like for me in this past couple of months that I've been offering these circles is really an opportunity for women to be witnessed and to witness one another. Particularly in this last year when people have been asked to take on so much that they were, that was, was take on so much with so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. There are few truths that I think can really ground us that we can give to each other weekly in a, in a space that feels resilient and open and fun. And it's really just reflecting back on our own mightiness and getting to share that with other people. So I'm providing these, I'm creating, facilitating these really amazing spaces and learning so much about myself as I'm watching other people take in what, take in love and connection and just making the time and space to be present for us for. So those are an hour and a half a week. And my next series of circles will start in March. And I highly recommend that you sign up. (laughs) (laughs) I have said this to you many times, but I will say it to you many more times, Miriam. I feel like you are really one of the most generous, present, compassionate listeners and reflectors that I know. I mean it. So, so kind. And I take that. Thank you. Yeah, it's true for me. It's really been a priority to, to work on my li- listening skills in a way that allow people to feel really seen and heard. You do that. You do that so beautifully. Mm, thank you. Will you read us a poem? I will. And then we'll close with some beautiful questions that you have for folks listening. Okay. This is a poem by Bapuji. My beloved child, break your heart no longer. Each time you judge yourself, you break your own heart. You stop feeding on the love, which is the wellspring of your vitality. The time has come, your time, to live, to celebrate and to see the goodness that you are. Let no one, no thing, no idea or ideal obstruct you. If one comes, even in the name of truth, forgive it for its unknowing. Do not fight, let go, and breathe into the goodness that you are. Mm. Breathe into the goodness that you are. Thank you for that. You want to share your beautiful questions? These are questions that people can contemplate, journal on, take on a walk, however you want to engage these questions. My first beautiful question is, what are questions or experiences that you had when you were younger that have shaped you and make you poised for your offerings to the world? Will you say that again? Yes. What are questions or experiences that you've had when you were younger 
that have shaped you and make you poised for your offerings to the world. Mm -hmm. And I had another question, but I'm going to switch it and ask you. Can you honor all the beauty you possess and really allow love to flow into your own being? Mm. And how about even how can you? Mm. That's actually much better. Thank you. (laughs) Collaborative, collaborative questions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Collaborative, beautiful questions. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, my dear. Mm. So good to talk to you. So good to talk to you. And I, I just want to reflect back to you that your community is very, very lucky with your presence and how generous you are and loving and really present. And also how much you are committed to change and forward motion in the world. Mm. The world is lucky. We are lucky to have you. We are lucky to be in the world together. Yes. Yes. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Take good care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this Catalyst conversation. I would love to know what's resonating for you or what questions this conversation inspired. If you're feeling the call to hone your facilitation skills, rise into your leadership, and contribute your unique remedy into this fractured time, let's connect. You can find all the details about the Holding Space eCourse, the Catalyst Leadership Immersion, and my free collaborative community newsletter over on my website, anyahinken.com. You can also find me on Instagram, where I am at Anya Hinken. Extra special thanks to my friend Robin Jackson for the music, and Brooke Bradford for podcast editing. To the catalysts who have shared their truth here, and to you for listening in, I look forward to continuing the conversation.